and uh, the elevator was a little bit jerky and kind of scared my daughter a couple of times. <laughs> I've had nightmares of being on one of those European elevators and getting off and trying to get all the bags off and then watching the door close. It goes back to the lobby with the <laughs> luggage. everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and Sam you want more accolades more reviews more stars <laughs> all the things right that's right well you know I'm giving myself a reward in advance I'm drinking a Topo Chico right now um, you know to reward myself even though um, I haven't gotten the verbal reward I'm going to get right now from a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Well, here you go. Yes, we have many of them to clear through the backlog. I should say this one's coming in from January of this year. So we had a lot to get through. Uh, we've not been as diligent on reading them at the end of the show as we said we would be. And so I've decided to build them into the front of the show as a way to really thank folks who are leaving us these wonderful reviews. They provide us with a lot of energy and encouragement. So this one comes from The Real Anne, who writes, Awesome, DCL Duo. Always look forward to seeing this podcast in my feed. Positivity and knowledge about DCL and beyond is abundant. Thank you. So there you go, Awesome. Sam. Thank Short, you. sweet, to the point, but energizing nonetheless. On Thank this, you, uh, the real Anne. We love you too, and we're happy that you're real and not fake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're only inviting now someone to come and review the fake Anne. So uh, <laughs> thank you to the real Anne for that fabulous review. But I digress. We've got a great show for you today. Sam, you want to talk about our fabulous guest and what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, I'm excited because we're going back over across the pond to Europe to talk about a Western European itinerary. I feel like we've been covering the Northern Europe European itineraries quite a bit. We've done a couple of you know med cruises as well, but this is an awesome itinerary. We haven't had anybody on yet to talk about this particular one. And so I want to welcome Eric to the show. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Happy to be here, Sam. Yeah, this is awesome. Now, tell us, um, before, of course, we dive into the cruise, we've got to talk about your cruising credentials and your Disney credentials. How did you get into cruising and where does your love of Disney come from? We took our first Disney cruise when our son was four years old, uh, about probably six months before our daughter was born. And so it was sort of that, uh, you know, last vacation just as a unit of three. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we did a three-nighter to the Bahamas. And at the end of the cruise, my wife and I looked at each other and said, that was great, but it was too short. You know, so we've been cruising since then. Every few years, uh, we just don't quite have the time or the money to cruise every year. Uh, and we live kind of distant from our families. So we're always traveling to go back there as well. But uh, I actually was first introduced to Disney probably when I was about one year old, going to Disneyland as, as a kid growing up in Southern California. Went probably several times a year as a kid. And then starting in junior high and then in high school, we'd go every year and do a concert at Disneyland with our orchestra. Mm-hmm. So that was always kind of fun because... It was me and, you know, 40 or 50 of my friends running around the park together uh, with minimal adult supervision. Isn't that the best? I did that in choir in high school. We went to Disney World because we were, I was on the East Coast and we did, um, we got to sing in Epcot and it was fantastic. It was just like so much fun as like a young teenager running around Disney World with my friends. Yeah, it was fantastic. And then 
I guess I met my wife actually in Virginia, but it turned out she was from Orange County and lived about mm. 10 minutes from the park. So after we got married and we traveled back home to see family, that kind of be an annual thing that we do and uh, waited until our son was about two and a half to take him for the first time. And uh, then since then, we've gone not every year, but almost every year to either Disneyland or Disney World. Awesome. So your youngest first experience on Disney Cruise Line was actually in the womb, is what you're saying. My daughter's youngest Disney Cruise Line experience was in utero. Ah. And she still claims it. (laughs) We're like, you didn't you didn't pay. You're not on the manifest. She's like, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's like, she's like, I should be gold too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I concur. I concur. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She 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 participated in the Disney dining for sure. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. And Eric, I should pause and say, uh, I can tell from your background, it, it's a sure bet that you were in the Air Force, perhaps at some point in your life. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I went to the Air Force Academy, did twenty years in the Air Force, retired in twenty thirteen. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great career and wouldn't change a thing about it. We would be remiss for not thanking you for your for your service, Eric. So I, just oh, wanted, very much. I would acknowledge I'm staring at for the listeners out there who aren't going to get a chance to see the video. I'm staring at flight helmets and challenge coins and a bunch of stuff. So sure bet. And so I just want to thank you for your service, Eric. Uh, let's talk about how you decided to take this cruise because, uh, you know, yeah. you mentioned you don't you don't live close to the port. Uh, you got a it's a it's a big uh, expense to, to get out there and do a cruise. But you went all the way to Europe this time for a cruise. And so how'd you land on heading over to Europe and to Barcelona for a cruise? Sure. So uh, our previous cruise was, I guess, mid-May of 2022. And when we got off the ship, we started talking about, of course, you know, what do we want the next cruise to be? Uh, we didn't book a placeholder because we, we, we weren't quite sure when we were going to do it. But then we started looking at the Western Europe, we, or sorry, we started looking at the European cruises and we talked about possibly doing a med cruise and ultimately landed on the Western Europe uh, because I have two sisters that live in England. And so this was a route that would kind of give us a, a taste of Europe, if you will, mm-hmm. and then end in England. And we'd have, we, we'd be able to spend a couple of days with them before flying home. Perfect. Had you been over to Europe before? Have the kids been to Europe or anybody's first trip over there? So first trip for uh, my wife and children, or, or I guess first trip to the continent for my wife and children, we'd been to London before. Mm-hmm. And then I'd been to Europe a few times for work when I was in the Air Force. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, um, tell us for um, your cruising background, you mentioned to us off air that you've been on now all four of the original ships. So you haven't been on The Wish, but you've been on The Magic, The Wonder, The Dream, and The Fantasy. Was this your first time on The Dream? No. We were previously on The Dream for, I want to say, a four-night either a three or a four night combined with a park stay back in 2013, uh, kind of as my retiring from the Air Force vacation. Oh, nice. Nice. Awesome. Mm. So I bet you were excited to hear she was going over to Europe um, as opposed to the magic going over there. Obviously, it's a big change for Disney Cruise Line and the bigger ship being over in Europe for that season. Yeah, yeah. I I think we would have done it no matter what. I would say I'm probably a fan of the bigger boats and my wife is a fan of the smaller boats because she doesn't like the crowds. Yeah. Uh, that's a common refrain. It's a common refrain for sure. Well, what kind of stateroom did you end up booking on board for a family of four? 
uh, we had an ocean view family deluxe with veranda. So, nice. um, a few extra square feet compared to the standard veranda stateroom. It was just about perfect for the four of us. And, and how much mediating had to be done over the, uh, the bunk bed in the room? Not too much. My daughter did not want the top bed bunk. Ah. My son didn't care. So he was like, yeah, I'll climb up there. That's no problem. Even though he's 20 years or now is 20 years old was 19. No, was 20 at the time of the sailing. So uh, it, how was, did he it was fit in there. It was a tight fit getting into bed. And then once he was in bed, he was fine. Okay. Nice. Good to know. <laughs> so wait, where, where did your daughter sleep then? Was she on the couch? She was on the bottom. Yeah. yeah okay. Couch, All right. Yeah. And you didn't have the Murphy bed. And I don't know if that, that room no. Murphy bed. Either. So some of the family deluxe verandas have the Murphy bed and some don't. B- basically, those are the rooms that then will sl- will potentially sleep five people or some of them don't have the bunk bed and then have right. the Murphy bed instead. So, it, but the, it's kind of random and, you know, unless you really do the research and because you want a particular configuration, it's not that big of a deal if you're a family of three or four to get one of those four-person rooms, yeah. And so it held your daughter at this point then for the sailing? Our daughter was 15. Okay. So she's been sailing for a long time, her whole life. <laughs> so you've got an 1820 Society member and a Vibe member, essentially. Uh, with yes. You. Yes. All right. What Castaway Club status were you at this point? Are you? So my, my wife and I were both gold when okay. we boarded. Our son, this was his fifth, so he's now gold. Nice. As he's completed it. And this was our daughter's fourth. Nice. Nice. All right. So coming into the cruise with like the booking windows and that sort of stuff, because I know we say this all the time in Europe, the ports are the star of the show. So you're probably wanting to find some good shore excursions to do, some things to do. Was that gold booking window helpful? Were you able to get the stuff that you were hoping to get pre, uh, pre-cruise? pre it was. We got just about everything that we requested. Okay. You know, we we booked uh, shore excursions at every port, as well as Palo brunch and the Remy dessert tasting. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, we we're gonna definitely have to ask you about the Remy dessert tasting. We're we're on a roll now, Sam. We've had several shows where we've got people going to Remy, which is like yeah. unheard of. We usually don't have people on have gone to Remy, so I'm excited about that. Let's talk about getting over there. Assume you flew into Barcelona, you know, a day or so early just to make sure everything worked out. Is that is that right? Yes. So we left, at the, you know, sailing is on a Saturday. We left Thursday evening from uh, the D.C. area, flew direct into Barcelona, arrived Friday morning oh, and uh, pretty much had the whole day to explore Barcelona, which was uh, interesting because we thought about our shore excursions and we hadn't really planned out too much of what we were going to do in Barcelona, excuse me, about what we were going to do in Barcelona until probably 48-ish hours before departure. And then I downloaded a couple of uh, YouTube videos that I watched on the plane over to get some more ideas. Yeah. Well, that's a wildcard day too, because you're arriving, you know, potentially early in the morning in Barcelona. You've probably not gotten a ton of sleep on the flight over. And so I, that's a day to play by ear a little bit in my book. You know, I, I like to book, uh, Sam can test this when we go over to London, I like to book some sort of late night tour, not, you know, like not like 10 o'clock, but like seven, eight o'clock at night, because then it like forces us to be up that late so we can go ahead. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a good day to play by ear. So what did you end up getting up to in Barcelona? Did you have a, do you have a fun pre-cruise day? Yeah. So we, we took the, uh, we took a cab into our into Barcelona, checked into our hotel early, and then our son was kind of tired, didn't really feel like walking around the city too much. 
So he stayed at the hotel with the bags and uh, my wife, my daughter and I went to uh, Parc Montjuic, which is like a big kind of hill with uh, with park gardens, ca- a castle, lots of stuff to do. And did you, uh, how'd you pick the hotel where you stayed? Was it through Disney or did you get it on your own? No, we got it on our own uh, using our travel agent. Oh, okay, good. I mean, did it work out? We always ask because sometimes the European hotels, they're, they're not always quite what you expect from an American hotel because they're smaller footprints and usually smaller rooms, smaller beds, all that sort of stuff. But how did it work out for you? It worked out really well. Um, I, you know, our, our prime consideration was getting one room with uh, enough room for the four of us, which, <laughs> like you said, is, is kind of a challenge in Europe sometimes. Yeah. Uh, our room had a double, two singles, and you know, then a pretty decent sized bathroom for the four of us. And that was perfect. We really didn't need a whole lot of extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause we, you know, the, the hotel is not the star of, of the, of <laughs> right. the vacation. <laughs> <True. Yes. laughs> and you know, the, the biggest kind of probably surprise for us is a lot of the buildings in Barcelona are old apartment buildings. And so we were on the third floor, which for Americans is actually the fourth floor <laughs> of this apartment building. Right. And You've there got was a, ground floor, then first floor, then second floor, then third floor. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And there was a very, very small elevator that <laughs> fit me and the bags. But that was it. <laughs> right. Yep. And so. Stairwalking you know, a lot. A lot of people like we were doing a lot of stairwalking and uh, the elevator was a little bit jerky and kind of scared my daughter a couple of times. (laughs) I've had nightmares of being on one of those European elevators and getting off and trying to get all the bags off and then watching the door close. It goes back to the lobby with lack of (laughs) luggage. But yeah, no, I I feel your pain there. And what was the hotel you stayed at? Do you remember the name of it? So it's a place called Fontanella by BCN Urban Rooms. Okay. It's not a traditional hotel like uh, most Americans would think of a hotel. It's not a Marriott or a Westin or something like that. Yeah. literally is basically a apartment that has been converted into a hotel. So basically when you walked in the door to the apartment, there was the kind of front desk right there. And then up and down the hall, the the main hall of the uh, apartment, there were, I believe, seven or eight rooms uh, off of the, off of the hallway, each with its own kind of you know, unique cipher lock code for the door. Okay. So once we had the code to get in the main door off the street, to get into the door to the apartment, and then to get into the door to our hotel room, we were all set. (laughs) Only three codes to manage. I gotcha. Um, (laughs) Well, and so how was it getting from, you know, where you were staying down to the port? Was that a pretty pretty easy transfer? Did you, how'd you get down there? Very easy. There was a cab stand at the end of the block. So we just walked down to the end of the block, hopped in a cab, and I would say 10 minutes later, we were at the port. Nice. And what did you end up doing? Uh, you mentioned where the sites you saw in Barcelona. Did you get any any good spots for food that you'd recommend to people uh, pre-cruise? We found a place called uh, Koenig, uh, which is actually kind of a, a chain restaurant uh, near Las Ramblas. And uh, we picked that because it had mostly, or it, it, it had it had a good tapas menu and it had good burgers. My son's a burger guy. My daughter likes yeah. French fries and onion rings and chicken <laughs> fingers, even though she's a teenager. <laughs> and so we got a mix of uh, 
just appetizer tapas kind of stuff. And it worked out really well for us. I worry about the youth of today, the food in Spain and you're having a burger, but I feel your pain because our son would be wanting the mac and cheese. So I totally get it. Um, I I had some octopus uh, that was absolutely fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, you get down to the port. The lovely Disney dream is waiting for you. How was the boarding experience onto the dream? We've heard some of the ports had some hiccups uh, (laughs) getting loaded up. And so how was it in Barcelona? It was actually pretty good. Uh, when we when we got there, we had to wait outside for maybe maybe ten minutes or so, uh, just queuing up in line because yeah. there was a there was a bus that had arrived right before us. And then once they let us in, we were queued up waiting to go through security. And that was maybe a maybe a twenty five minute wait or so. There's I think lim- what, what they said is there's limited seating inside the actual port area inside the actual terminal so they had to wait until they were ready to start boarding just about before they let us in because there were already groups in there and so we got in we checked in with the uh castaway club desk and then found some seats and probably within a couple of minutes of finding seats they started calling boarding groups and we sat around for Again, maybe maybe ten minutes or so before they got to boarding group nine or whatever wh- whatever we were, and then we were on the ship. What was your port arrival time? And uh, while we're talking about port arrival times, I assume you got to participate in or got to experience the sort of the tiered check in process for the sailing. And did that make things a little bit smoother for you or not? Let's see. Port arrival time, I believe, was either 1045 or 11. Oh, wow. That's early. Okay. Um, so we, we were, we were in a fairly early boarding group. Yep. As, as far as the, the tier check-in, uh, before going out on the cruise that worked out pretty well. I believe we were at, uh, I want to say like 38 days or Mm. something like that. And, uh, it was very smooth. Uh, I actually, as much as I wanted to stay up till midnight, (laughs) I've, I slept through that. So I got up in the morning and I was panicked, but checked in and it was, it it worked out just fine. Great. That's good to hear. Yeah. We're finding that it's not as big of a deal nowadays. Um, They've sort of, they seem to have gotten booking, I don't know, just down smoother, at least in certain ports. Obviously Barcelona is a port that they were at a lot this summer. I think Southampton also was a port that they had sort of less issues at. The bigger port, the bigger the port, and the more times Disney sails out of it, the easier the process seems to be. And then with the tiered check-in, it just makes things quite a bit easier in general. Um, yeah. All right, so you you board the beautiful Disney Dream. Do you guys have a routine when you all get on board a ship of where you go first? And did you follow that routine? We followed that routine to a T. We <laughs> went immediately to Cabanas for lunch. You know, we were able to sit, kind of look out over the port a little bit, ate our meal. Uh, by the time we got done eating the meal, I feel like it was almost time to... No, it wasn't quite time for rooms. I, I feel like we walked around a little bit. Um, and then they started opening rooms. So we went down, dropped off our bags in the room and then went to go explore a little bit more, uh, took our daughter to uh, Vibe to check out the teen club, uh, which thought was pretty neat, but then surprisingly never went back to again. 
Oh my God, the teen club on the dream and the fantasy is the best one um, because they have they have that that open deck on the front of the ship that now it, on the mm-hmm. fish has been taken over by the rainforest room. But it's like this cool outdoor space with like some hot tubs and stuff in there. I would I want to hang out there. I would have been <laughs> all not over with it. The teenagers, obviously. Uh, she she decided she just wanted to hang with us for the majority of the cruise. Wow, that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Then wandered around a little bit more, and then it was time for sail away and, or, or I guess muster drill, yeah. and then sail away and everything. So mm-hmm. um, that was kind of the first day on the ship. We had dinner at uh, Animator's Palette. So my 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 daughter decided she wanted to do all the trivia. So yeah. we ended up doing a lot of trivia on the cruise. Uh, the first night we had Pixar trivia. We had Mickey Mouse trivia. And then there was a game show in the D lounge called Mouseketeer Madness. Oh yeah. And my son, who is probably the most, you know, non game show person out there, uh, happened to join us and his number got called <laughs> and he ended up winning Mouseketeer Madness and getting a medal. Nice. That's awesome. That's so much fun. How cute. Did you guys end up winning any of the trivias that you went to? We came really close a couple of times, but no. And my my daughter was extremely frustrated, yeah. not only because she wanted to win, but especially because our son had won and she had not. <laughs> well, I tell you, those trivias are really, really hard. Like we did trivia on our last cruise. We did, I can't remember, it was one of the music trivias. I think it was 80s music trivia. And we did like pretty reasonably well, but... The team that won, I mean, there were multiple teams ahead of us. We weren't in, we weren't close to winning or anything like that. But the team that won got a perfect score. And I'm like, how right. do you yeah. know every song and every artist from like this tiny little snippet? I just can't. It's yeah. They don't. I call shenanigans. This self-grading paper thing is <laughs> I like I can tell. Like and you think so? phones are that high speed internet has compromised the integrity of trivia, <laughs> I think. So there's too many perfect scores. There's too many perfect scores winning. And like I like that song trivia we did where clearly half the crowd didn't know one of the songs and yet these people knew it. Right. So I, I yeah. call shenanigans. I call shenanigans. Our our previous cruise to this one, I actually end, ended up winning a uh TV theme song trivia. So nice. that was nice, except for it, they were still coming out of COVID. Mm-hmm. They didn't have medals. So I got Rice Krispie treats and stuff. Oh. oh, what a bummer. What a bummer. I mean, not that Rice Krispie treats are, you know, bad or anything. It's just, yeah. Oh, you should have saved it and brought it back for a later cruise. And like, I'd like to trade my Rice <laughs> Krispie treat for a medal. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to trade it in. I love it. Well, let's talk ports. We always like to talk ports when we're in Europe because, you know, talk of the Caribbean, the ship is the star of the show and everyone's been to most of the ports. Uh, but in Europe, you're there for the ports. And so you leave Barcelona. Where are we headed first? So our first uh, our first day was actually a sea day, uh, which was kind of cool. Had some, you know, lots of free time on the boat. Uh, we did the Palo dessert tasting that day. Uh, and then we actually sailed through the Straits of Gibraltar that evening. So nice. that was a pretty unique experience. You know, you look to the right and you can see Europe uh, about you know, five to 10 miles in the distance. You look to the left, you can see North Africa and Morocco about five to 10 miles in the distance. And uh, they actually kind of canceled the whole adults only area uh, at the bow of the ship and let 
everybody up there because that was the best place to where, oh, where cool. you could stand and see both sides without having to run back and forth across the ship. That's nice. a really cool thing to get to do. I mean, not a lot of people get to go through the straits. And so that's just a really cool experience. Yeah. I love that they did that. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. How was the Palo? Uh, you said Palo dessert tasting? Yes. Yeah. So it was phenomenal. Basically, they bring out six different desserts. There's wine pairings with them if you choose to do so. Uh, we did on our previous cruise. We did not this time. And, you know, each each dessert is, it's, it's not a huge dessert, but they have chocolatey ones. They have sweeter ones. Uh, the pastry chef comes out and explains how they make each one uh, and, know why it's named the way it's named and everything you know my personal favorite was and this the star of the show i think is something called citron it basically is a pastry lemon so it looks like a lemon and then when you crack it open it has like a uh like a lemon lime uh curd in the middle of it that's you know super sweet absolutely delicious and uh, the chef explained that that one actually takes about 48 hours to make and they have to make it in the walk-in freezer because it can't melt. Right. Wow. Right. And yeah. it has to it, it, it has to set up right and everything. So wait, this is in Remy, not Paulo, right? Yes, this is in Remy. I'm okay. Remy. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Yes. No, the, that's the, okay. The, I was just like, I was like, because we've had that dessert, but we've had it in Remy and Enchante, but we haven't so we've never done the dessert experience. Okay. But we've well, definitely worth it. Yeah. But we've eaten in Remy and we've eaten in Enchante and we've had some of the desserts obviously overlap, but I've we've never obviously gotten to sample like that kind of array of desserts. Um, right. When is it? Is it in like the middle of the day or? It's a 2 p.m. Yeah. Okay. So so just a little light snack before dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely eating a little bit lighter after, after that uh, dessert. Yeah. Still probably really delicious. Yeah. The French know desserts if they know anything at all. So. Absolutely. There oh, yeah. Go. That there sounds awesome. Yeah, at some point, Brian, we'll have to do that one because we have not done the dessert experience in, um, on any of the ships. Yeah. Yeah. So our first port was actually, I guess, second day from Barcelona. Yeah. And uh, we stopped in uh, Cadiz, which I don't think the ship has been there either before or certainly not in a long time because it was in the local paper we found out later. And it was, like it, it was very notable that... Uh, the Disney Dream, such a large cruise ship, came to uh, Cadiz. And then we did a short excursion called Beekeeper for a Day. So oh. we boarded a bus, uh, drove about an hour from uh, Cadiz to a town called uh, Jerez de la Frontera. And we went to the Bee Ranch. And so when you arrive at the Bee Ranch, they kind of you know talk a little bit about the place. It's a family-owned and operated business. Uh, and has been probably, I think, for, the, for they said for like the last 50 years or so. But they give you a beekeeper suit that you put on. And then they lead you into kind of the forest, all, all the trees where they keep the beehives to, you know, try and keep them a little bit cooler so they're not out in the sun. Huh. And uh, then they open up the beehive, pull out the honeycomb, let you see the honeycomb. Uh, you know, they're, they're smoking the bees. So the bees aren't super active. But they kind of walk it around, and you can see the you can see the bees. You know they're flying around and everything, also. And then you go back to the bee museum and take off the suit. Then they show you how they uh, jar the honey 
after it's been extracted from the honeycomb. And uh, then they have like a little presentation about bees and why they're important and the different kinds of bees. And then there's an opportunity to make candles out of the beeswax. And then there they had a light snack for us that uh, my wife and I devoured. The kids were less interested. It was like a almost like a egg sandwich on bread with like a big pepper as well. Oh, interesting. Mm, pretty tasty. And that was the Bee Museum. It probably was, oh, three and a half hours or so, all told. Maybe four hours from the time we left the ship until the time we got back. And uh, it was hot. Cadiz and uh, Jerez de la Frontera are at the far southern side of Spain, near the kind of that lowest tip part of Spain. And in fact, uh, you know, they they told us that that part of Spain is further south than anywhere else in Europe. So further oh, wow. south than Sicily, further south than the boot of Italy. Oh, wow. You know, very like, like right across the straits from Morocco. So they said it, you know, it, it regularly gets up into, you know, the mid thirties Celsius. So, uh, you know, probably one teens in Fahrenheit, uh, during, during the peak of summer. Yeah. We were talking like a desert climate, basically similar, yes, yeah. Yeah. more similar to the Middle East than to most of Europe. Yeah. I, I, I guess we found, but both being uh, Southern Californians, we found Spain in general to be very much like California, mm. that Southern part of Spain and even Barcelona a little bit, uh, to be more like kind of the LA area, San Diego area, if they didn't pipe so much water to Southern California. <laughs> and then the other part of Spain we visited was much more like the Central Coast right. or Northern California. Yeah. Nice. Well, the beekeeping shore excursion sounds fascinating, but it also sounds like our son's nightmare. Yeah, that's uh, so, totally true. Yeah. Nathan will be terrified. Yeah, he's, he's terrified screaming through the woods. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It does sound really interesting. I would love to do it, but yeah, he's he was like terrified. I'm I'm kind of terrified to be fair of getting stung by a bee as well because I've never been stung. But he stepped on a bee. Actually, he stepped on a bee now twice, but once the first time was at Elwani, oddly enough. My daughter got a bee sting on her foot at Elwani also. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the places, it was just, you know, random, random. Well, where are we off to next, Eric? So after Barcelona, our next stop was uh, beautiful Lisbon, Portugal. Mm -hmm. We weren't really sure what to expect with Lisbon. And so, but, but we knew we wanted to get out and see the town. So we scheduled a, the hop on hop off tour. Yeah. And, you know, one of the selling points for it was that it went by the aquarium and both of my children are animal lovers, which is part of why we did the beekeeper thing. But, uh, they really wanted to see the, uh, aquarium in Lisbon. Also, I hear it's one of the best in Europe. We got on the, uh, hop on, hop off. And the driver basically said, okay, we're going to go to the Tower of Belém, which is a big sightseeing spot. Mm-hmm. And then and then after that, we'll take you back to the city center so you can transfer to the other bus. What he neglected to tell us is basically leaving the port, the hop on, hop off was just going to follow the hop on, hop off route the entire way to the Tower of Belém and then back to city center and by the time we got back to city center, we'd been on the hop on hop off for an hour and a half. Both of my kids were hot and tired and every, like Aww. my wife and I were both like, you know, I think we're going to call it because if it takes another 
hour to hour and a half to get out to the aquarium and that bus runs less frequently. Right. We're not sure we're going to make it back to the port in time. So we ended up walking from city center just down kind of along the main boulevard back to the port, which was an interesting walk. We stopped at a uh, pastry shop and I don't even know what they call them, but there's like a, t- a, a traditional Portuguese little kind of tart mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we picked up a couple of and you know made our way back to the the ship and then had some uh, well-deserved rest after that because it was again another hot day and between being on the hop on hop off that the top floor didn't have a lot of shade and uh then the walk back uh we were we were kind of tired at that point when we did norway one of the things we liked was we would get into these ports and we could get off and do a little bit of uh, exploring but then kind of had a long day in the ports. And so you were able to, like we had lunch one day at a little place in Norway. Did you find the ability to kind of do some shore time and then also explore on your own and that kind of stuff? Or was it really like, got to do the shore excursion and then we're back on the boat? I I would say there definitely was opportunity to do a little of both. I'd say we we didn't take full advantage of that just because... You know, by the time we got back to the ship, got the kids back on board, then it was like, we, you know, we don't feel like going back off the ship to find a place to eat again. I would say we, we were probably, you know, we were probably coming back ashore or sorry, probably coming back on board to two thirty, and then departure was around four thirty, four forty-five most of the days that we were in port. All right. So more like a typical sort of port day, uh, like the Caribbean or something like that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Any other highlights from uh, from Portugal before we head uh, to our next uh, port adventure here? Uh, no. I mean, I, I, I guess the one thing I'd say is like, uh, again, with the hop on, hop off, I think it would be great you know, we we actually went to port Adven- to the port adventures desk and tried to get some information about what that entailed and what the route was and where where it stopped yeah. and they didn't have any information and they were like well it's the weekend so they're closed we'll try and get back to you and then monday they didn't get back to us and then tuesday was was the shore excursion i guess you know what i'd say is for most of europe at least the places we stopped, if you just wanted to explore kind of the port city area, um, which, you know, was Cadiz, Lisbon, you really didn't need a shore excursion. We could have not done any shore excursion, mm. got off the boat in Lisbon, walked around, seen everything, because the, the the port in Lisbon is right next to downtown. Mm-hmm. So we, we could have walked around, seen whatever we wanted to see. If we'd wanted to take a cab to the aquarium, we probably could have done that. Um, and it would have been better for us, I think, than doing the hop on hop off. Yeah. I mean, I would say research the ports, right? Cause some of the ports are actually like, if, if you want to see Rome, you got a, right. you got a 90 minute bus ride from the port to Rome. Uh, but to your point, like some of these like actual seaport towns that are large European cities, but sit on the coast. Yeah. You'd probably be able to get off the ship and, and walk into town. I've heard, heard some mixed things about, was it Copenhagen that we were talking to somebody about the other day, Sam, that was like, they yeah. had shifted ports from the downtown city center to a more industrial port outside of Copenhagen. So definitely worth doing your research. Cause I do think you can get a lot done on your own if the port is easily accessible into the, uh, the downtown area, but right. Right. Eric, where are we headed next? So, 
after Lisbon, we went to Vigo, Spain. So uh, back to Spain. Uh, Vigo's in not the far north of Spain, but further north from Portugal in the uh, Galicia region. We then did a port adventure to Santiago de Compostela, which is the uh, end of the uh, Camino de Santiago, or sorry, yeah, the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage. And so, you know, for hundreds of years, people have walked from all over Europe to this, to the Cathedral of St. James in Santiago. And uh, it was phenomenal. We, We parked at, there's a big bus terminal, and then walked into the old city and uh, really got a feel for European construction in the, oh, if I were going to guess, maybe 1700s was like, maybe earlier. and But stopped at a little cafe, had, of all things, uh, hot chocolate and a churro. Um, and you, <laughs> you, you, you dip your churro into the hot chocolate. How does it compare to the Disneyland churros? Very well. <laughs> Let, there, there was there was uh, probably uh, less cinnamon sugar on the one in in Spain. Yep, I probably have to give the Disneyland churros the edge, but it definitely was better than the Disney World. Churros. Ah, there you yeah. go. See, you know the difference. You know exactly what I'm talking about, Eric. Yes. Yeah. Now, okay, tell me. So, for the non-Catholic on this uh, on this call, <laughs> the one on the Jew in the call, tell me about this the pilgrimage. So, this is a famous cathedral. I take it for Catholics. It's it's a famous cathedral for Catholics. Uh, I'll, I'll say, I was raised Catholic, but have been non-practicing now for a few decades. And you're in good company, Eric. You're in good company. <laughs> I had actually never heard of the Camino de Santiago until. Uh, we started getting ready for this trip. Okay. Now, Sam, we had a we had a friend do it. We we know someone who did it. Remember, uh, we had a friend from law school who did this oh. a few years ago. Yes. Yes. I now I know what you're talking about. But I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm was raised Jewish. What do I know about <laughs> famous cathedrals? Except for maybe like Notre Dame, right? Like, sorry, Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> but so so there isn't just one route. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are places to start all over Spain and actually even into France. And then you, you know, you hike, uh, in some cases, hundreds of miles down to this, this church, to this cathedral in, in a little town in Spain. Cool. Yeah. And so we, we walked around, we looked at some things we did not, uh, we, we weren't sure exactly how much time we were going to have. So we did not try and book a go inside the cathedral tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then uh, actually, on the walk back to the bus, we decided, hey, let's just w- kind of walk through the the modern town a little bit and see what's there and uh, maybe try and grab a little food. And so we went into this little pastry shop and my wife and I practiced our Spanish a little bit and the pastry shop owner practices, practiced his English a little bit. <laughs> Don't you love that when you try and speak Spanish and they speak? English too. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that that was the highlight of the day for us is as, as cool as everything else was just, you know, talking to a guy about like, Hey, you know, how are you doing? How's your day? You know, what are you selling? What's good here? That yeah. was, and, and then he, he knew somebody who had moved to Los Angeles. And so he was asking us about Southern California okay. and it was, it was just a great, great experience. We probably spent, you know, maybe 20, minutes or so just like like we we popped in to get a few cookies and ended up spending 20 minutes or so talking to this guy 
and then uh, walked back up and got on the bus for what's it, it was about an hour and a half bus ride mm-hmm. uh, back to Vigo. Cool. Well, that sounds like a fun excursion. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way thanks my path unwinding for sponsoring the show and with that back to our episode all right now your last port before you get to your disembarkation port is le havre in france right what did you guys get up to there so le havre was interesting um you know most of the other ports all a short time was around 9 a.m uh, all a short time in La Havre was like seven. And so we got off the boat at about seven fifteen. got on a big motor coach. And then we had a three hour ride into Paris. Yeah. say La Havre is like an, a, sh- a true industrial shipping port for, for France. Yeah. It looked it, it was, I mean, you know, bare bones, huge shipyard. You know, if, if you looked into the distance, you could see container ships getting loaded and offloaded. But the the motor coach pulled right up to the cruise terminal. Mm-hmm. We hopped off, got on the motor coach, and uh, there was a, a French guide on the motor coach that talked to us a little bit about the, the Normandy region that we were traveling through mm-hmm. uh, on our way to uh, Paris. So we, we got to Paris and there was sort of the like, okay, get your cameras ready because when we come out of this tunnel, you're going to see the Eiffel Tower. Right, right. We came out of the tunnel. The Eiffel Tower was right there. Uh, we parked, walked over to uh, one of the bridges leading to the Eiffel Tower for a fo- quick for a quick photo op. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter was thrilled. She's taking Spanish in high school and, or sorry, f- taking French in high school and was super excited about going to Paris. Oh, uh, awesome. I think she's, she's wanted to go to Paris for years. So this was, this was kind of the, all, all her day. So how much time did you get on the ground in Paris? Cause a three hour bus ride means a six hour round trip. So I'm curious how much time you actually got in the city. We were probably in the city for about three hours. Wow. Okay. That's a so so it was it was it was very quick like like I said we we refer to this as sort of our European sampler trip <laughs> yeah and we now have plans for what we what we do the next time we go back um, as great as it was to visit Europe by cr- by cruise yeah we will probably not do a cruise the next time we go. Right. Yeah. This was like when you go to the Olive Garden and you get the tour of Italy sampler <laughs> potter, right? I don't think this was anything like that, but uh, nice try, Sam. Uh, yeah. But so I guess what sites were you able to hit? And I mean, for 
a six hour round trip bus ride, three hours in the city. I got to assume they make some time for you to get something to eat at some point. So, yeah. Yes. So, so after the, uh, photo op at the Eiffel tower, we then drove uh, along the Seine, mm-hmm. uh, across another bridge to the uh, Arc de Triomphe in the big mm-hmm. circle, mm-hmm. kind of took a loop around the Arc de Triomphe and then drove up the Champs-Élysées to the uh, Place de la Concorde. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the bus parked kind of right near Place de la Concorde. And the driver basically said, okay, be back at 2.30. And, you know, if you want to try and go to Notre Dame, here's how to get there using the Metro. If you want to go back to the Eiffel Tower, here's how to do that. But you won't have time to go up the Eiffel Tower. Right. And we chose really just to stroll up and down the Champs-Élysées, you know, and and see the sights. Yeah. So uh, for, for me, it was an especially noteworthy trip, mostly because uh, we were there on a, on, on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And that Sunday was the final day of the Tour de France, which finishes on the Champs-Élysées. Oh, cool. So they had the stands all set up. They had the hospitality rooms for the teams all set up. They had a little souvenir shop that I had to go buy a few things at. But other than that, it was just sort of people watching, you know, walk up the Champs-Élysées. You mean you didn't spend your time buying Louis Vuitton or Hermes on the Champs-Élysées? <laughs> no, we, we did stop for some uh, macarons. Nice. And we also stopped at a little sidewalk bistro for lunch where my daughter got to practice her, her French a little bit. And, Love it. You know, the, the, the waiter was very kind. I was like, oh, that was so good. You should speak French all the time. <laughs> oh, cute. I love that. Good encouragement. So, you know. And then we walked back up the other side of the boulevard and then got back to the bus, probably just about right on time, mm-hmm. hopped on the bus, another three hours back to the port. And we arrived back at port. Oh, I want to say just in time for dinner. It was, it was probably five 45 or so when we arrived back at the ship. Yeah. That's a long day. Now, quick question. Did they have as, as an excursion option going to Disneyland Paris? I just they did. Interesting. Okay. They, they, oh my God, they that, did. How would that work? I mean, that's further away, isn't it? Like, oh my it's, gosh. It's it's on the far side of the city, I think. Yeah. Okay. But but the you know, and our ship did not even though we got back to the ship at six, mm-hmm. the all aboard time was eleven PM. Oh, okay. Oh wow. So like, had we hired a private car, we could have stayed in Paris longer. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, for the people that went to uh, Disneyland Paris, I believe their excursion, again, left at 7 a.m., probably right. got to Disneyland Paris 10, 10, 30-ish, and then they got to stay there probably until... 7 p.m. 7.30, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. 7, 7.30. Yeah. So it was it was a good chunk of the day. We, we looked at that and we went, yeah, it would be cool to visit Disneyland Paris. We're like, but... You know, for for everybody except me's first trip to Paris. Right. So they got to go to, you have to go to actual Paris. Yeah. We have to go to actual Paris. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to go to the park. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would imagine, I would imagine that would be an expensive shore excursion too, because you need the tickets to the park plus yeah. the transportation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just don't know that you would get the, I mean, we had someone on recently who commented like, no, the parks were really be meant to be seen in like just a few just hours, you know? No, so no. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, w- what we talked about was at some point in the future, going back and 
you know, probably doing five to seven days in Paris with a day or two at the parks or yep. as part of that. Did they have any, since uh, you mentioned driving through Normandy, I was curious, did they have shore excursions that went out to like Normandy Beach and that sort of thing? They did. They had, they had excursions to the, the D-Day beaches. Mm-hmm. They had an excursion to Mont Saint-Michel. Oh, yeah. um, they had excursions to somewhere else in Normandy to like Monet's house. Uh, actually most of the excursions I would say were in the Normandy region, uh, with the exception of Paris. Well, it makes for a long day. So I'm sure you got back to the ship exhausted. Uh, I mean, even just sitting on a cramped bus for three hours is exhausting. So I'm sure you got back exhausted. So did you get a sea day after this to recover to, cause you, you end in Dover, right? Or in Southampton? Yes. So, so basically we left uh, La Havre at 11 PM. Mm-hmm. And I think just went out into the channel and did donuts until it was time to come into Southampton the next morning. Yeah. Okay. So our, our sea days were our very first full day on the ship after, mm-hmm. after debarkation day. And then, uh, the day between Vigo and La Havre, it's a, it's a far enough transit that we had a sea day that day also. Well, after you disembark in Southampton, did you head straight home or did you spend some time in London or... So we spent uh, the weekend in London, arrived Saturday morning. Uh, we had uh, we were originally planning to take the train into London from Southampton. So just a you know taxi from the port. However, there was a train strike the weekend that oh, we were no. arriving. So literally right before we left the US, I switched that up and got us a private van that uh took us into London. Uh, we stayed in a neighborhood called Elephant and Castle. Yeah. And, uh, my, I have, I have a sister that lives in London. I have a sister that lives in Bristol. And so the two, the two of them met us at the, uh, hotel and we did basically Saturday afternoon and all day Sunday in London. And then Monday morning, we took the tube from Elephant and Castle to Paddington station, got the Heathrow express and then flew home. All the travel was perfect until we hit Toronto. Oh, no. And hit hit Toronto. Our flight got canceled due to uh, weather, and they didn't have another flight going out later that day, so we had to spend the night in Toronto. <laughs> uh, got up the next morning. Instead of going direct uh, back to Baltimore, we had a connection through JFK. Uh, got to JFK, had lunch there, Ugh. got on the plane, taxied, stopped, spent three hours on a ground stop on the tarmac at JFK. Oh, Oh JFK is the worst. The worst. And then they were like, yeah. And and then they said, you know, we're going to try and make it out just in time. Uh, Revved up the engines. We were taxiing. And then they came on the intercom and said, you know, folks, we actually don't have enough fuel to make it to... to make it Baltimore. to Baltimore anymore. Oh uh, we're going back to the gate. And at that point, the three hour mandatory get off the plane rule applies. Oh my God. So your flight's canceled until tomorrow morning. Oh and at, and at you're that stuck point, in New York. Uh, we rented a car and, and drove, drove. <laughs> four hours back, <laughs> right. to Bal- no, right. back to the DC area. Yeah. Wow. Oh my, yeah. Cause at that point you're driving distance to home, but still mm-hmm. you have to rent a car. I mean, that's a right. pain in the butt and a one way rental. Oh yeah, yeah. I will say, if you're going to encounter difficulty in travel, always better on the back end of the trip than the front end of the trip. Absolutely. And better when you're in the U.S. or Canada, right? I mean, as opposed to, you know, being having to deal with it in a, a European country and perhaps a, non, a non-English speaking country would be even more difficult, of course. Yeah. Right. So, ay, ay, ay. Well, that's 
that's a trip. <laughs> yeah, we, we skipped over some of your ship time. And so I want to rewind for a second and just ask any big highlights? I mean, other than the uh, the dessert tasting you did, but anything that was a really big highlight is. for you? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, Apollo Brunch was awesome. I, I've been hearing about it on your show for years. My only question is, like, how do you eat that much? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. My, my wife and I, we had the breakfast course. Yeah. I had some pizza. Yeah. And then I got the chicken parm and I was like, man, I can't eat. I, I had like four bites and I'm like, I am out. Okay. I'm going to tell you the secret or the DCL duo secret at least <laughs> okay. to, how, to how you eat hollow brunch. First rule is you don't have it at like 10 o'clock in the morning. You get, you try for a later brunch time. So like 11 or 12. Second rule is Skip you breakfast. don't eat anything that morning. You drink mm-hmm. coffee because we live in the Seattle area and we must drink coffee in the morning or we're both zombies. So we drink coffee in the morning. If my stomach is really like empty, I might have like a bite of a muffin or a bite of a croissant in the morning, but really I don't eat breakfast. And then we don't eat the egg course. Well, with some exceptions. Occasionally, Brian will eat the egg course. I don't eat the egg course at all. I have tried some of the egg courses in Palo, and I don't think they're worthwhile. That's me. If you love the egg course... I pick my battle. If I feel like having the eggs, then I'm not having like the soup or like going crazy with the pizza. Um, but yeah, you get... You, we have the fortune of eating there enough that we can kind of pick our battles, but fair. Yeah. Fair. If it's, if it's your, uh, your first time, uh, perhaps your only time. Yeah. yeah like it's a, you gotta, it's a, it is a, it is work to eat as much. Yeah, food. And, I, they will, and they will not, they will not be shy about bringing you more. Yeah, so but the, yeah. the other secret though, for this applies to me and sometimes actually to Brian, Brian more recently, I don't eat dessert at Paula brunch ever. So I, I'm not a huge dessert person to begin with. I like, there are a few desserts on board that I love, namely Oreo cheesecake. I also really like the amaretto souffle in Paulo at the, at dinner, but I'm not like a huge dessert person. So I pretty much don't eat the dessert at brunch. To be fair, I didn't have the dessert course this time, but I did have the Nutella croissant. You I did, did have, <laughs> I did, you know, I, I eyed a sticky bun at the end to be sure, but I was just way that too was full a at that point. That was a dessert course. Yeah. yeah. I think my, my wife and I's comment was like, it's not just brunch. That's like every meal of the day. And so True. we, we didn't eat breakfast. We had Palo brunch. I believe we had like an 11 o'clock okay. seating or so. Yeah. And we rolled out of there and we're like, all right, so appetizers only for dinner. And <laughs> yes. that's, and, and, and we followed through on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you absolutely like have to have, well, so we always do late dinner. So that's one other thing too. Mm-hmm. Have, like late dinner is because by then you're like, okay, I could eat something, but you're right. I don't eat a, I eat a smaller dinner usually after Apollo. But again, I skip the egg course and I skip the dessert course. And it, no, and I'm I, just feeling stuffed. That's really how it all happens, Eric. Yeah. All I can say right. is the new format is well. It doesn't have to be less food, but I can, uh, Eric. I you would be shocked at what it used to be with the buffet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh! Multiple trips to a buffet plus a sit down meal plus dessert. You know all that. I mean, it was oh, it was so much food. It so. was gluttonous, and it, it was, was amazing. It's still it was, gluttonous and amazing though. But yeah, it is a it's a gluttonous meal. Go with an empty stomach. If that means even skipping dessert the night before, do that. Mm-hmm. But it's so good. Yeah. yeah exactly. And don't do a back to back um 
uh, adult dining. So if right. you're doing Apollo brunch for anyone who's listening, do not do Apollo or Remy dinner the night before. Um, you will not, you, your stomach will be too full to eat brunch. Um, and then same thing for after Apollo brunch. Don't plan yeah, don't on plan, a big dinner. Yeah. Don't, plan, mm-hmm. don't plan on Apollo dinner or Remy dinner, but even in main dining, like it's going to be, especially if you have early, if you have early dinner, I don't know how you're going to be able to eat anything. Right. much of anything anyway yeah. eric we have reached that point in the show where i need to hand you over to sam for some arbitrary questions some arbitrary rules and a dash of judgment or the round we know as rapid fire sam take it away why thank you brian eric you have listened to the show for years as you mentioned so you know what's coming i'm gonna ask you your disney favorites and your disney cruise line favorites and these are your favorites i don't care about anybody else in your family just eric's favorites okay all right all right. Who is your favorite Disney character? And this can be anyone in the Disney or Pixar or Star Wars or whatever, anything Disney owns universe. I'm going to go with Baloo the Bear. Oh, I love Baloo. Ah, love me some Jungle Book. Okay. What is your favorite Disney movie? The Robin Hood movie. Oh, nice. An oldie but a goodie. I haven't yeah. watched that in forever. My goodness. All right, favorite Disney song. I'm gonna go with uh, "When Can I See You Again." The end credits for Wreck It Ralph. Yes, ah, you know I love Vanellope, don't you? So you're try- you're you're just trying to kiss up to me now. I think. All right, tell me what is your favorite Disney Cruise Line stage show? And I know you just got off the Dream, so it must be. I'm gonna go with Beauty and the Beast. It yes! was uh, as as much as I liked Aladdin on the Fantasy the last time we were on board. Beauty and the Beast was phenomenal. You just won rapid fire. We don't even have to keep going, <laughs> but, we're, but we're going to anyway. Um, but thank you for giving me the right answer for the best DCL stage show. What's your favorite rotational dining? This can also be on any of the ships. Uh, I'm an animator's palette with the uh, animation magic. Yeah, super fun and a good menu as well with the truffle presets. You hear that, Josh Wilson? Truffle presets forever. All right. What is your favorite Disney Cruise Line adult bar space? Meridian. Yes, also a right answer. Thank you very much. Yeah, I I found it on our Seven Night Caribbean uh, back in 2022 and spent quite a bit there because we had a huge onboard credit from all the COVID stuff. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, you got to spend it somewhere where else, you know, we're better than in Meridian. I love it. All right. Tell me what is a favorite onboard activity that you like to do? Uh, trivia. What else? Yeah. Awesome. Give me another favorite space on the ship outside of Meridian. Um, I would say I really liked uh, the tube on the fantasy. Yeah, awesome. I love that whole Europa area. And shout out to Barcelona. I love going to the bathroom in Barcelona. (laughs) For those who don't know, there is an area that is decorated of Europa, is decorated like very gaudy. And it is literally called Barcelona. And all it is is a bunch of bathrooms, but they're like the best bathrooms on the ship. All right. Setting that aside, let's talk food. Let's talk favorite sweet item and favorite savory item on board. Again, any of the ships, any of the cruises that you've been on, we'll start with the sweet since my favorite is the savory. So what's your favorite item? I can't think of the name of it, but there's like an amaretto dessert up in uh, Palo that is yes, really good. It is the amaretto souffle. There we go. It's fantastic. That is an excellent answer. All right. What is a favorite savory food item on board? I'd probably have to go with the truffle presets. 
Wow. Awesome. High praise. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Now this is a hard question. I, I don't know if you've done all of the meals at Remy or all of the meals at Paulo now, but let's let's give it a shot. Remy versus Paulo. Which one do you like better? If you could only go to one, if we could only go to one, uh, probably Paulo. Just uh, we have not yet done uh, dinner at Remy, and yeah. I think part of that is like I don't know that I have some food aversions, mm-hmm. and I don't know that uh, my wife or I would really necessarily get our money's worth from from Remy, but uh, we're both big fans of Italian food, so follow all the way. Awesome. Love it. Okay. You've been on the magic. You've been on the dream. You've been on the fantasy. So this is a really important question. Aqua Dunk versus Aqua Duck. Aqua Duck. That's the right answer. All right. Favorite ship. Favorite ship. So I'm going to have to go with the fantasy just because it's the ship we've been on the most, or I I guess we've been on the fantasy twice. We've been on the dream twice and the magic and wonder we were on in 2008 and 2012. So it's been a while since we've been on either of the original ships. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to get back on them and decide if everything holds up, but you know, seven nights on the fantasy is really hard to beat in general. So I totally understand that. Okay. Now the last question of rapid fire, the question I ask everyone, what is your bucket list cruise? If you could go anywhere on Disney cruise line, Disney cruise line doesn't even have to currently sail there. Where are you going? If I could do any Disney Cruise Line cruise, it would probably be a, you know, a maybe a 10-night Australia and New Zealand. Awesome. That sounds great. What a great, what a great pick. Maybe someday that will happen now that the wonder is, of course, uh, sailing to New Zealand and Australia, but they're doing these like short itineraries that are clearly, you know, a taste of uh, Disney Cruise Line for the Australian and New Zealand market. Um, But we're hoping for the same and maybe in the the future. Well, thank you for playing, Eric. You didn't get any questions wrong. So congratulations. (laughs) Uh, No judgment here. And that means you and I both win. All right. (laughs) Winners all around. That's There you go. There you go. Well, I always like to end the show by asking our guests, what's next? Uh, Did you pick up a placeholder on board, Eric? Do you have any, you eyeing any future Disney cruises or is that land-based vacation over to Europe uh, really calling your name? Mm, I I think in our, our next kind of uh, our, our next Disney vacation is probably going to be a trip to Alani. Oh, um, right. We were originally looking at uh, summer 2024. Uh, there's a few things in the family that means we may need to ship that to 2025, uh, which will be, oh, geez, no, that'll be before our daughter graduates from uh, high school. But probably, probably summer 2025 is Alani. Next summer probably is um, back to Southern California, uh, and some time at uh, Disneyland along with uh, time with family. Awesome. You're going to love Alani. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. We were there in 2018. Oh, nice. Awesome. And had a fantastic time. My son can't wait to go back and go scuba diving again. And uh, I think my daughter wants to try it out this time as well. Awesome. Love it. Amazing. Well, Eric, the next time you sail Disney Cruise Line, reach out. We'd love to have you back. You've been a fabulous guest, and we just so appreciate you, one, reaching out to ask us to be on the show. For any listener out there who is interested in coming on, we are really easygoing people. So reach out. Let us know. We love to tell people stories. But Eric, for now, to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to share your fabulous vacation with all of our listeners. We just really, really appreciate it. 
Well, and thank you for having me, Brian Sam. A big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night.